You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, um, courtesy of our man Gord in Riverbend. Oh, we all need a hero, Gord. Um, I love this song. Uh, you you ready to play DJ at eight thirty here, GVP? Oh, I got lots in the holster. Yeah. Keep them coming in. Keep them coming in. Nine sixty nine sixty. Name and location. We're taking your text messages, and there's a ton of songs. We're gonna play as many as we can coming up at eight thirty. What should be the song we play when the Flames win the next day to kick off our show? Last season it was Disco Inferno. Didn't work because the Flames missed the playoffs. So we're pretty much putting this on you. What song should we play to kick off our show the day after a Flames win? 960, 960, name and location. We're going to pare it down to four songs and then put a poll up. And then we'll determine the winner tomorrow. Because tomorrow the Flames kick off their season at home against the Winnipeg Jets. To talk about that, Olympic gold medalist, Calgary Flames radio analyst, Megan Mickelson. Hello, how are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Megan, what was the pump-up song you listened to before a game? Oh, gosh. I was always that type of player that just picked out a playlist and put it on okay. and wasn't too picky about it. Mm. So I never I never had one song in particular. Um, but you got to give me some of the playlist here, Megan. I can't let you off the hook. It was like anything really, and I don't know if this sounds cheesy, but like, like I don't know EDM type of music, mm-hmm. I guess. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I believe yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Can you can you give me one artist on your playlist? Oh. Just one. Uh, Tiesto. Mm. Tiesto. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm so bad with music questions. Yeah, I, I would say Tiesto. Okay. Is that is that your pumping, you know? You know, what, do you have a song we should play for Flames Victory song? Do you have a Do you have a Something we should play? Do you have an idea? Do you want to wait till the end of the interview? Maybe I'll wait till the end. Okay. Give me a, give me a hot sack. Yeah. I'll, I'll let that marinate um, for okay. you. Um, I, I appreciate you. Um, no, we appreciate you too, especially with your new gig. Um, what was the biggest takeaway for the Flames preseason in your eyes? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me would just be the amount of changes that have happened. Uh, within the organization and within the team, just from from top to bottom. I mean, the entire culture and environment shift. You could tell walking in day one uh, into the locker room and you saw the the new, I guess, kind of design with the the three C's up on the up on the walls, and it just looked brighter and lighter, and the whole mood and atmosphere was different. Um, right from the get-go, and I think that everyone who's been around the team throughout the preseason would probably agree and say the same. And then the changes in systems and everything. Like So for me, the biggest takeaway is that there's been so many changes that have happened, and it's really hard to judge this team and make predictions of what the season's going to look like based on the amount of changes that have happened. And then you throw in there all the inconsistencies of preseason in terms of being in and out of the lineup. And there's so many players and guys kind of, you know, coming and going. So yeah, I would say biggest takeaway is 
the culture, the environment shift, the changes in all of the systems, all for the good, I think. Um, but yeah, it, it's hard to say where things are headed at this point in time. It's a group that doesn't have a lot of roster turnover, but like you mentioned, the coaches, the front office, that has all changed. What's a realistic timeline to kind of see these changes start to come to fruition once the regular season games start getting played? Yeah, so I've been, I've actually been a part of a team that has gone through, I, I would say, a similar culture and environment shift. And it, it does take time. Like, I mean, they have been together for three weeks, so that gives you a good amount of time. But at the same time, like, if they don't come out of the gates flying tomorrow night and win, they're facing a really tough Winnipeg Jets team as well. So if they don't, you know, come out with a, a blowout win and a stellar performance, I wouldn't be worried just because of the amount of changes that have happened. At the same time, like, these guys are are chomping at the bit and and they're ready to go. So I think that it's, it's different with every group and every team, but I really think that this group, like from, you know, management coaches and their leadership group, like those are the key pieces that you need to have in place in order for all of these changes to be successful and to really get locked in and dialed in quicker so I think that if there's any group that can, you know, make it happen on an accelerated timeline, um, I think it's this one. And just hearing all the guys talking, I mean, they're in such a positive mind space and, um, you know, the vibe around the team and just around the rank is really good. So I think that when you set up that kind of environment where you can just go out and you can play free, um, good things will happen. One of the things that I, I, I find with a lot of teams that have success is that their lines, their pairings, they're usually set really early in the season. We saw it with the Flames a couple of years ago when they won the division. Last year, not so much. Everything was constantly moving around. Have you seen any groups, any pairings that you've liked so far that you'd like the team to kind of stick with for a couple of weeks to start the season here, see if they can fit for the right, the entirety of the season? Yeah, I would really like to see uh, Lindholm and Backlund stay together for a little bit, just give them some time. I know that already they're like under a microscope and it's, <laughs> it was like game one of the preseason and everyone's like, oh, what's their chemistry like? And I mean, it, it takes a little bit of time and you think about the inconsistencies with the rosters uh, in terms of who they were playing against. And um, so I think giving them a little bit of time to see if, if that could work, because like, if you look at Jonathan Huberto and, you know, his success that he had in Florida with Alexander Barkov, you know, Lindholm and Barkov are not dissimilar in the way that they play 200 foot good, you know, two way game centermen. Um, you have a righty and a lefty uh, with Lindholm and Huberto. So I would give that a little bit of time to kind of, sit and marinate and and keep in mind that not every single shift in every single game is going to be stellar because that's just the reality of sport and performing as an athlete. Um, another one now that I'm really curious to see is Kadri and Coronado. After seeing the lines change up yesterday in practice, I really did like the Backland and Coronado combo as well, but I'm curious to see this now just with you know, the, the puck possession game that Nazem 
tends to play and like to play and also the energy and the grit that he brings uh, that that could be an interesting pairing for me and then I mean Backlund Coleman and Majapani like Ryan Huska said it yesterday analytically they were one of the better lines in the league last year so I think that you always have that to go back to um, and then I can't can't leave the defense out. <laughs> I feel like we always talk about the forward yeah. lines and uh, we leave out the D. But um, I think on the back end, one pairing that I thought was really good in the preseason, and again, taking it with a grain of salt, the preseason, uh, I liked Mackenzie Weger and Rasmus Anderson. I know Weger's playing on his offside when they're paired together, but um, I really felt like they were a solid pair um, as well as Hannafin and Tanov. So lo- lots of things to like, lots of interesting pairs. But I think, you know, what's interesting is has been the way the coaching staff has kind of um, put the different pieces together and moved things around. And I like the way it's shaking out for tomorrow night. The one thing that I say about Uyghur, played on his offside, I think he does a fine job at it. I think there's a handful of guys in the NHL that can. But if you can reduce the... One or two times a year that he's not going to be able to get that puck off the wall and it bounces behind him and creates mm-hmm. a chance, I would try to eliminate it. Where are you at on Uyghur playing on the left or the right side? Yeah, that's funny that you asked that because I'm I'm talking to him after practice today and I'm going to ask him that exact same question because <laughs> I'm a right-handed shot and as a right-handed defenseman, I have a very uh, – I can play the left side and I was always okay with it, but I was just always – that much more comfortable on the right side in terms of like it, it changes how you play the rush. It doesn't just change like getting pucks off the wall. It changes um, like how you're accepting the rush. So, and that's when I noticed the biggest difference, it wasn't getting pucks off the wall. It was how you accept um, like a one-on-one on the rush. Um, Cause you're obviously, you know, on your forehand or your backhand side. So I prefer like righty lefty combos, but I do know, like, if you look at wingers up front too, there's some, you know, right-handed shots that prefer to play on the left side. So I also think that it's personal preference. So I'm asking him after practice today. Hmm. So I will get back to you. Yeah. And like, I, I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about, you know, defending on the rush and why it matters what, what hand you would be with. I, I, I would guess it comes down to a lot of trying to guide the opposition into a spot you want them to be. Yeah, and also, um, like, having your stick out. So if you think about if you're a right-handed shot and you're accepting the rush down um, the left-hand side, you have more of a reach with your stick on the poke check um, because that's your top hand. Um, So you have a little bit more of extension versus if you're on your right-hand side and you're a right-handed shot, then you, you can't quite, like, reach as far in terms of, poke checking um and then there's also uh crossing over like no matter what anyone says you have a better side of uh, like a stronger side of crossing over versus the other and especially as hockey players um just with the nature of the sport and you hold your your stick it's in your top hand on one side and if you think about the way that you stand and the way that you shoot and what leg you push off of you have one leg that is more powerful than the other and so when you're pivoting 
So if you're accepting a rush and then you go to open up to pivot, you're going to have more power off of one leg versus the other. So that was always a big difference for me. I, I always had more power in my left leg. So if I was accepting the rush on the right side and if I went to pivot towards the boards, I just had like a little bit more push off of that side. And that's just, like I said, the nature of playing a sport that, you know, you're, you're on one leg or the other all the time and um, one side inadvertently becomes stronger than the other. So that was, that, that's probably what it comes down to in a science and in a nutshell. Calgary Flames radio analyst for Sportsnet 960, Megan Mickelson joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose. How important is it for Jacob Markstrom to get off to a strong start here, Megan? Oh, it's very important. <laughs> yeah, I would say of, of all the important things, um, you know, that the team needs to get off on a strong footing, I would say that solid goaltending is at the top of my list. And it's not to say that he's going to stop every single shot and that if he lets a goal in, you know, everything's going wrong. But I do think that, um, you know, he, he needs to have a strong start. And just the biggest thing I think for him is looking confident and looking calm and looking composed. And, you know, it's been talked about before when he's minimal in his movements, he's a big body. Um, then that's when he seems to be kind of at his best and he's not fighting to get into position and that sort of thing. So I think that looking for those things in him is a, is a key sign. A team does feed off of their goaltender. So if he's calm, composed, confident, that's something that the team's going to feed off of. At the same time, I think that something last year the team didn't do so well at times was giving up grade A scoring chances um, and chances off the rush as well. Uh, there was 34% of the shots that Jacob Markstrom faced last year were off the rush, which is pretty crazy. And so I think for the team, the team needs to play well in front of him also to set him up for success, um, eliminate odd man rushes, chances off the rush, and grade A scoring chances to help set him up for success. So in that sense, I think it's a, it's a two-way street. If he starts off strong and he's confident, calm, composed, the team will feed off of that. If the team plays well in front of him and they stick to their structure – and they eliminate those grade-A scoring chances and chances off the rush, I think that that sets him up for success as well. This feels like it could get a little bit of a catch-22 situation because we were just talking about how they're working on a new defensive structure, and we've seen at times during the preseason they get trapped in their own zone at times trying to get out too quickly, mm -hmm. and then it becomes chaotic. Do you think there's going to be situations where they have to rely on him a lot early on in the season as well? I don't think so. I think that there's always times in a game where you rely on your goaltender to make a key save at a key time. Those like the game of hockey, you're, you're never perfect. And so the D zone is not going to be perfect. Even if everyone feels 100% comfortable with it, players are just too skilled now and they make such great plays that, you know, that's, that's your goal is to find those holes and to create those spaces. So they, do happen it's not that there's not going to be grade a scoring chances but i think that that's when he needs to step up um and make the saves so 
I think, you know, the D zone, it's interesting. I heard Kale McLean talk about it a little bit, and I guess what they're expecting is that when you play a zone coverage versus a man-on-man coverage, then the other team will have more puck possession um, in your zone, but you'll give up less grade-A scoring chances. So it might look like they're hemmed in their own zone, but if they're keeping the team to the outside – then that's kind of the goal of that zone coverage is to keep them to the outside and then make sure that you have those layers of protection so you're not letting guys um, get to the interior. So I think it'll be interesting to see how it how it plays out, how it shakes out. I know that there are holes in zone coverage that teams are trying to take advantage of now, um, especially when it comes to like the points where the switches occur mm-hmm. in the zone coverage. So I think with so many teams playing that system now, like they also think about it, okay, if this is the the system that, you know, a team is playing in defense and zone coverage, then how do you expose that? Like those are pre-scout things that other teams look at and then they try to model their offense in a way that they can take advantage of any weaknesses that those systems might have. So I think it's going to be an interesting season um, to see how, all that shakes up, not just with the Flames, but with all the teams in the NHL. Who would be your first call-up? They sent Adam Klapka, Cole Schwint, and Ilya Solovyov down to the Wranglers uh, with the claim of A.J. Greer off of waivers. Uh, is it situational, or is it as simple as someone has kind of cut themselves out as your first call-up for either forward or defense? I think it's situational. It would depend who's out and what the situation is. I do like the addition of A.J. Greer. I think he'll bring a lot of grit and toughness um, and a little bit of bite to the front end. But, yeah, I I think it depends. I think that Cole Schwint, I think that he had a strong preseason. Uh, It wasn't anything crazy or anything to rave about. But in terms of having a solid fourth-line center, uh, if that's the role that you're looking for, just a guy who's solid, reliable. Um, if he can show that he's consistent in the face-off circle, then you know I think he's a guy that they would call up. But then if you need a you know a winger, then it's okay. Are we you know plugging and playing with the personnel that are up right now? Uh, so I think it's it's highly dependent on who it is that would go out because the reality is that everyone plays a different role and different types of players play different types of roles. So it's not just that, you know, oh, he's the best player in the American League, we're going to call him up. It also depends on how they're performing in the American League at the time as well. Um, on D, I would say Ilya Solovyov, I thought that he had a really strong preseason. There was only one game. Uh, that he played that I wasn't a huge fan of. Um, he had a few turnovers, but outside of that, on D, he would he would be my number one call up. And then in the net, I mean, <laughs> that's obvious, <laughs> obvious answer there with Dustin. Dansk. Oh, sorry, no, you're right. <laughs> Ma- Megan, what what do we expect from the power play tomorrow night? Like, how much different is that going to look compared to what it did last season? Yeah, I think with Mark Savard, he's come in and he's added an element of creativity. So I think with the power play, you know, the the players have talked about the fact that they have a lot of different plays and, you know, the plays are named differently. And 
Um, so I think there's a lot of a lot of different looks. I think no matter what, though, no matter what types of plays you have or um, the amount of creativity that you're trying to implement, there are keys to a power play. Uh, you need to have strong breakouts and um, strong entries through through the neutral zone. So I think that that's going to be key, and that's something that they struggled with a little bit in the preseason was just getting out of their own end and through the neutral zone. It's really hard now with the tight checking penalty kills that teams play to get through the neutral zone and get set up in the O zone. So that's a big key. But And then I think for this group, um, making sure that either they are moving or the puck is always moving on the power play. Um, and then having that unpredictability, interchangeability between players um, and using a little bit more deception in terms of are you looking off passes, are you looking off shots on the power play, and I've said it before, you want to be predictable to your teammates but unpredictable to opponents, and that's how you really find the holes and um, you can capitalize. So. I think it's going to be speed on the breakout through the neutral zone and then just a ton of movement um, and unpredictability and deception in the offensive zone in their setup. What have you seen from Yegor Sharangovich? Yeah, he's been interesting to watch. I think in the first couple days of practice, I mean, it was evident that he's, he's a good skater. He has a lot of finesse with the puck. And in watching him through the preseason, I really gained an appreciation for his defensive game and his positioning. And Ryan Huska talked about him a little bit yesterday in just that why he thinks that he'll be a good fit for uh, Kadri and Coronado and that when he's in the offensive zone, he always tends to be that F3 high because he's so responsible defensively that he wants to make sure that they don't get caught on the rush. So I think that he looked a little bit hesitant early on in the preseason, but he got more and more comfortable, I think, probably with the team and in his own game. He was just playing with more freedom and more speed towards the end. So I think that he's he's still kind of trying to feel it out and to get really comfortable, from my observation at least. But I think that later on in the preseason, I would say the last two games that he played, I thought he looked really, really good. And I think that he could be a a great fit for Kadri and Coronado. Uh, Megan, we're all excited for puck drop. Uh, It's tomorrow night. You'll be on the call with Derek Wills. Um, What should be the Flames victory song? Have you thought about it? No. (laughs) I didn't. All right. I was too busy talking. Um Oh well, okay. Here, here, how about this? I'm here for I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Okay, that's not bad. What was the song you yeah. guys listened to in the room after a win? Oh, it changed every year. It's every team you pick a win song when you go back in the dressing room after you win a game. Okay, well, g- and, can, uh, can you give me at least the, one the of team them? DJ puts a win song on. Um, can I can I think of one? I don't know that I can. All right. See, this is this is how into music I am, guys. That's fair. I'm I'm totally on board. I get I, it. I I go with the flow. Yeah. I go with the flow. Not worried about it. Not your gig. Didn't yeah. run the DJ courts. Fine. On to the next. <laughs> Who was the yeah. DJ of the team? 
Uh, Jamie Lee Rattray was the DJ. Before that, it was Sherry Piper. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, We're looking forward to your call tomorrow. It's exciting times. New season, new beginnings. Should be super fun. Uh, Let's do this again soon, which will be bothering you all season. Thanks for this. Sounds great. I look forward to it. (laughs) There she is, our Sportsnet 960 The Fan Flames analyst, Megan Mickelson, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Yes, sir. That was good. A good chat. I'm I'm super pumped up about well two things. Uh, I want to see what the power play looks like with my man Savvy at the helm, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm just I can't wait to watch Matt Coronado this season. Oh, okay. That's yeah. that's the number one thing I want to watch this year. I want to see that dude shot. Yeah, and I want to see his. I want to see him play his way up the lineup. Yeah, that's I'd, that's what I'm. I'd be very impressed if he could play his way up the lineup, like. I think this is a guy who, like a lot of rookies, is probably going to be gangbuster for the first half of the season. Realize, oh my goodness, this is a lot more work than any other league I ever played in is. The grind. Probably hit a bit of a slump. And then you hope that after the All-Star break, feels healthy and comes back and has a nice end of the year, puts up 25 to 30 bingos. Yep. That would be a great year. Oh, man. Could you imagine if he scored 30 bingos? I don't don't think it's out of the... I don't think it's crazy. Is that a sensible take? Like, here's the thing. <laughs> Do you have a sensible quote? <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah, we need a sensible quote. Uh, Sharon Govich is not stuck on the top power play. Manjapani yeah. is not stuck on the top power play. If he ends up being on that right side flank mm-hmm. and they can start feeding him over there, mm-hmm. he could maybe do some damage. I also think he can at five on five. I think Kadri's got a little bit of a different life about him this year. I'm probably way too bullish on this group, but sue me. Hey, it's like it's like spring training and it's like opening day in baseball. No, it's There's way a lot better. Of, yeah, it's way better. Zero and zero. It's all, a lot of optimism uh, floating around the city of Calgary. Again, everybody covering the team says the vibes around the team are a, are a just it's night and day compared to what it was last season. That was something that you know was talked about how that was a detriment to the team. That quote unquote excuse is gone. So let's see the team perform on the ice now. It's on the players now. Mm-hmm. 100%. You can't lean on Daryl anymore to say he's too much of a hard ass. He's too much of this. That's gone. They hired a guy the players like. A lot of pressure on that guy, too. Let's see it on the ice now. Yeah. Get into the playoffs. 100%. We want to do some playoff hockey on this radio station. Yes. Again. Yeah. It's nice when we do that. It's fun. It's absolutely fun. Uh, you know what else is fun when GVP plays DJ? How many songs do you have uh, ready in the hopper there? Oh, gosh. Like, a lot. <laughs> okay. A lot, a lot. Keep them rolling in. 960, 960. Name and location. The song we should play after a Flames victory. 960, 960. Name and location. GV play, GV play. GVP plays DJ next. I knew that was going to be a tough one to get out. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960. The fan.